is it about late fumbles in Corvallis saving the Cardinals bacon up in Oregon State? <laughs> well, somewhere Harrison Phillips is smiling. We told you this might be a close one. We told you that Stanford hasn't gone up to Corvallis and come away with a route win over Oregon State since 1987. Lo and behold, what do you know? Another close call in Corvallis. But most importantly, a Stanford win. It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Great to have you with us on Sunday, December 13th, 2020. I am indeed Troy Clarity. Hello. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. And hopefully one of the highlights of this weekend is a win for Stanford. 27-24, the Cardinal beat Oregon State, running their record to 3-2 on the season and beating the Beavers for the 11th straight time. How about that? We've got a lot of ground to cover. Of course, we'll break this game down as only we can. Post-game thoughts from Cardinal head coach David Shaw, Stanford quarterback Davis Mills, and Cardinal inside linebacker Curtis Robinson. All of those guys had, had key roles in Stanford's win. So we'll break it all down for you there, and we'll, we'll, ask, the, we'll ask the important questions for Stanford right now. What now? And what if? Plus, we'll go stock up, stock down, and in just a couple moments or so, we'll give you three things you need to know about Stanford versus Oregon State. Great to have you with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last misspelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity is the way to go. Always love talking Stanford ball with you. Hashtag TreeCast via Twitter is the way to ensure that I see those thoughts. If you haven't subscribed to the show, Hey, do it now. It's a great time to do it. Give yourself a little, a little holiday present. Subscribe to the TreeCast via your favorite listening app, be it, be it, be it Apple Podcasts, be it Google Play, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa probably has the hookup as well. Uh, tune in, uh, iHeart, any way you want to go, subscribe to the show, and even better, be an interactive part of it. Rate the show and review the show. If you like the show, tell everyone, as I always say. But if you don't like the show, tell me. Let me know what I can do to help make it better for you. We're talking Stanford football and Stanford athletics. It's what we do best, and we think in the podcast space, quite honestly and quite humbly, nobody else does it better. We hope you agree if you're just now joining us uh, on this uh, show, and I uh, hope you agree after you listen to this episode. Before we dive into anything else... First, a brief reminder that college football and the NFL are about to round the corner and head for home, but you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Game spreads and totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always the online casino. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today, take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Seesaw affair for the most part, especially in the second half between the Cardinal and the Beavers. It's, it's, it's what happens in this series, right? When these games are played at Research Stadium, uh, Stanford, if it wins, tends to escape Corvallis with a whim. And Oregon State came out stronger than Stanford to begin Saturday night's festivities up in Corvallis. Beavs led 14-9 at the half. But then Stanford woke up a bit, especially offensively, took a 24-21 lead early in the fourth quarter. From there, three plays decided this game, two of them penalties. Midway through the fourth quarter, Stanford up by three 
Oregon State at the Stanford three-yard line with fourth and two. Beavs are going for it. But delay of game, Oregon State has to settle for a field goal instead to tie the game at 24 instead of going for a touchdown to take the lead. Stanford's ensuing drive, they've, they've got third and one with two minutes left at the Oregon State 16, but false start on tight end Scooter Harrington. Davis Mills throws incomplete on third and six on the next play, and Stanford has to settle for the go-ahead field goal, Jet Toner hitting from 39 yards out with 1.48 to go. That set the stage for the biggest play of the game, and that's how we begin three things you need to know about Stanford versus Oregon State. Let's start with number one. Stanford up 27-24, but Oregon State driving. Cardinal had already started the drive by sending the kickoff out of bounds, handing Oregon State good field position, and later the Beavs converted on fourth down. Second and 10 from the Stanford 35. Beavers quarterback Chance Nolan drops back. He wants to, wants to set up a screen over to the right side, but Thomas Booker, the Stanford defensive end, is in the way. He shuts down the screen. That forces Nolan to run, and he gains some yardage, but Gabe Reed and Levani DeMooney both converge on Nolan and force the fumble, recovered by Curtis Robinson for Stanford with 23 seconds to go. Cardinal able to run out the final 23 seconds and get the win. That was the game-saving play, and afterwards, Robinson reacted to finishing off the biggest sequence. I kind of blacked out a little bit on that last play. I can't even lie to you guys, but um, that was just, that goes back to day one of camp and us, you know what I'm saying, emphasizing how important it is to play our fundamentals and get the ball out. You know, you guys probably saw it better than I did, but Gabe Reed did an excellent job getting that ball out, and I just happened to be the lucky guy that was right there to scoop it up, you know? And um, we preached that all game. We were talking about a turnover or a turnover or a take, excuse me, a takeaway will win this game. And that and that really did. And so I'm just I'm proud of this group. I'm proud of the way they fought at the end of the game. You know, we were harping to every single play. We were like, yo, be the one to make the play. Be the one to make the play. And luckily, I was in a position and we ended up winning that game. Yeah, big play by Robinson and Reed, who officially got the credit for the uh, forced fumble, and the entire crew, starting with Thomas Booker, who shut down the screen that Oregon State had originally called on that play. Now, big play by those young men. Cardinal head coach David Shaw says that's just good coaching right there. That fumble doesn't happen just by happenstance. I mean, every week we work on punching the ball out. Every week we work on ripping the ball out, and particularly the inside linebackers and outside linebackers. I mean, that's what they do every single day. Um, and our coaches, Coach Anderson, uh, Eric, they both they scream it all the time, get the ball out, get the ball out, get the ball out. And they celebrate it. So it's one of the things that just doesn't happen in the crunch time of the game. It's something that comes second nature to our guys because we work it so much. Now, oh, by the way, Stanford is plus four in turnover margin. Now, really, you could say that they're plus five because one of Stanford's lost fumbles was on that final play against Colorado where they tried a bunch of laterals and the buffs were covered at the very end of the game. But Stanford... Technically, plus four in turnover margin. Defensive box score isn't that great. More on that later. But once again, the Stanford defense stopped them when they needed to and got the ball back when it needed to. Let's get to number two. And another winning performance from quarterback Davis Mills for the Cardinal. 21-29 for 292 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. He still hasn't thrown a pick at all this year. A couple of throws that he'd like to have back, I'm sure. There was an early throw to a wide-open tight end, Bradley Archer. Perhaps a bit of miscommunication as Archer may not have quite been in the right spot. It looked like it was one of those throws that that comes uh, that becomes complete with chemistry with, with, with that certain receiver. So 
I'm sure that Mills would like to have that throw to Archer back in that one to Elijah Higgins on third and six as uh, Stanford was trying for a potential go-ahead touchdown instead of settling for the field goal. Um, I'm sure that Mills would like to have that one back as well. But overall, Davis had control of the line of scrimmage and command of the game, especially in the second half. And Stanford's drive bridging the third quarter and the fourth quarter, it was eye-opening from this respect. Third and two from the Oregon State 31, Oregon State sends in a frontside blitz, unblocked defender. Mills somehow sidesteps him, puts up a floater to Elijah Higgins, who makes a nice grab, hangs onto it for an 18-yard pickup to the Oregon State 13, first down Stanford. Sensational athletic play. Davis Mills took us through it. They showed us a pressure look that we hadn't seen before. I was trying to figure out protection. We got to a call, um, and obviously they just brought too many than uh, we had in protection blocking. So Elijah made a play. I had a free runner coming off me, coming at me off the edge. Um, and then really just had to buy some time, make a miss, and then uh, get the ball up for Elijah to go make the play, which I truly believe that he was going to, and he did. Yeah, tremendous play. And then a couple plays later on a bootleg, Mills out sprints the Oregon State defense to the pylon, touchdown, Stanford up 24 to 21. Now, he doesn't look that speedy. Maybe it's the black shoes, I don't know. But Mills has shown his athleticism on numerous occasions throughout this year. There are other, other examples of Mills athleticism out there, but that sequence alone on that particular drive from Stanford, that sequence alone should be a narrative killer. And anyone who still says that Davis Mills isn't athletic should be shown those two plays in particular and then asked what they think. They probably won't tell you much. They'll probably try to change the subject or something. Let's finish up three things with number three. <laughs> And Stanford's uh, game on Saturday night was supposed to be their home finale. Instead, it was stop number two on the Cardinal Roadshow due to the health directive in Santa Clara County. Now, this obviously hasn't been easy. Practically living in Seattle last week, bunking down in Corvallis this week, and now with what they have to face this upcoming week as well, all the uncertainty and everything that's happened, despite all that, Stanford is still stacking wins on the road. Curtis Robinson tells us how. Last week was definitely very difficult, kind of adjusting on the fly to a lot of stuff. Um, we've seen a lot of adversity. We just had to kind of adjust on the fly and kind of just say, screw it, you know, we're going to do what we can to win. And um, luckily, you know, we've been able to do that. But um, I'm just, I'm really proud of my guy. I can't, I can't even say it enough. Like the things that we've had to go through compared to what the teams that we're playing are going through has just been, you know, immense. It's, it's going to make a great story one day, I'm telling you. It's, I'm, I'm living in it right now, so I can't really, you know, fully grasp it. But, you know, each week that we do this and we, we come out victorious, I'm just thinking, like, it's great. Like, we definitely shouldn't be able to do this, but we're doing it. So, again, I'm just really proud of my guys and all the adversity that we face, excuse me, throughout these weeks and the way that everyone's responding and kind of kept their head down and worked. Yeah, three in a row for Stanford now. All of those away from home. And it's not really, it's not making too bad of a story right now. And the really cool thing is, the story isn't over. Those are three things. A couple quick stats, uh, Simi Fohoko, uh, without the two or two of the main wide receivers for Stanford and Michael Wilson and Connor Weddington who are gone for the season. Simi Fohoko helping step things up. Six catches for 110 yards. Tucker Fisk, tight end, a 12-yard touchdown reception. Uh, more on that later. Austin Jones, 22 carries for 126 yards. Defensively, Stanford's inside linebackers in particular were active on the stat sheet. Lavadi Damuni, 
leading the way with 10 total tackles, and Curtis Robinson with nine total tackles, seven of them solo, and that uh, critical fumble recovered at the very end of the game. The only injury that David Shaw mentioned uh, post-game was to outside linebacker Thunder Keck. I did not notice him beyond Oregon State's opening drive of the game. Aeneas DeCosmo actually played a series, but Gabe Reed played the overwhelming bulk um, of the game in that outside linebacker spot that normally is manned by Keck to begin games. A more complete injury picture coming up the next time that David Shaw addresses the media. Now, Shaw addressed the media after Saturday night's contest, and of course, you will hear a portion of his thoughts along with uh, the other players uh, that were made available to us uh, after Stanford's 27-24 uh, win for Oregon State. Shaw started his postgame availability with his pretty candid thoughts, actually, on how things started for Stanford and, more importantly, when things turned around. The first half um, was probably as poorly as we've played all year. Um, very disappointed in how we played in the first half. Um, Oregon State was, was the aggressor. We made just enough plays to kind of stay in it, but missed throws, missed catches, um, bad, bad PAT attempt, um, some misalignments on the defensive side, and just all these little things that haven't cropped up. Um, and they hurt us in the first half. When we came out that second half, um, that flea flicker to Fajoko, I think helped a ton to get some momentum back on our side. Guys started really getting back into it. Yeah, that flea flicker certainly helped out the offense. More on that side of the ball in a bit. Meanwhile, I think the defense really started to settle things down a bit earlier in that game. Probably the second quarter is when things started to uh, to congeal a bit in favor of the Stanford defense. And and last week in previewing this game, we said that that limiting Oregon State running back Jamar Jefferson who is a dude. We said that Jefferson stopping him or at least limiting him and containing him would be priority number 1 and that the linebackers inside and out would be key in those efforts. Robinson and DeMooney played the entire way at inside linebacker. First time that that's happened, I believe, uh, throughout the entire season. Reed came in at outside linebacker, as mentioned. Stephen Heron played the majority of the other outside linebacker spot with a little Andres Fox sprinkled in for good measure. How'd that go? Not bad. Jefferson never got loose. 18 carries, 80 yards. Left early in the fourth quarter with a tweaked ankle. So from that standpoint, mission, largely, accomplished David Shaw with his initial assessment of the defense's night Curtis Robinson and Levani Damuni um, are just making so many plays out there um, I think our, our our pass rush was better this year the quarterback escaped a couple of times but um, you know for, really for the first time this year we really got multiple pressures off the edge you know Stephen Heron really coming off the edge was was great to see um, pushing the pocket getting in the quarterback's face making him pull the ball down um, we got some timely coverage uh, opportunities where the quarterback could, couldn't throw and had to throw it away. Yeah, the stats won't wow you. I mean, even though Jefferson wasn't that much of a factor, especially in the final three quarters, Jefferson actually even limped off twice, all told, in the second half before missing the final 12 and a half minutes or so. Oregon State still rushed for 237 yards. And Stanford's defense was susceptible to play action. They gave up a 61-yard catch in the first half off of play fake and gave up uh, their first touchdown off a of play fake from Oregon State uh, quarterback Chance Nolan. You might remember play action was how the Beavs got back into the game against the Cardinal last year in Corvallis. Still enough to win from the Stanford defense. I was among the folks who caught up with Curtis Robinson, Stanford inside linebacker, in his postgame media availability. And 
Our chat begins with him taking us through the defense's night. Just as a team and as especially as a defense, we were a little flat. Um, you know, we kind of woke up a little bit in that second quarter for sure. They got off to a hot start, and I think we were still really flat. The energy wasn't there. The passion wasn't there. And Coach Anderson just did a really good job, you know, kind of getting the guys going, getting them, telling them, like, yo, it's going to take a lot of passion. It's going to take a lot of energy to beat this team. This is a good second-half team. This is a fight a team with a lot of fight, excuse me. And so I just think coming out and playing with passion and playing with pride, you know, taking pride and stopping the run, taking pride in getting pressure on the quarterback and making sure that he can't break contain and have a good second half the way he did a first, good first half. Big test for the linebackers, which are Marge. Jefferson and the rest of the Beaver uh, rushing attack with all the versatility that they bring and Jefferson with the thump. Uh, what were your expectations? What were some things that you were looking to try to do to slow him down and the Oregon State rushing attack? And how did the reality match up against what you guys were trying to do? Yeah, he's a great player. My hat, my hat's definitely off to him. You know, we, we noticed that on film. We, we knew that coming in this game and he, he proved it this game. He runs hard and he's an excellent running back and he's going to be an NFL back one day for sure. I know that for a fact. But, um, you know, we, we love that challenge, you know, and over when we, we have a mantra, we're just, we want it, we want it harder. We want, we want you to make it harder on us. You know what I'm saying? We, we take that and we, we thank you for that. So we went into this game. We knew we were playing one of the best backs in the, in the league, if not in the country, you know? So going into that, we kind of, we took it with a little chip on our shoulder. Like, okay, he's the best back in the, in the league. What are we going to do to stop him? You know, how are we going to do that? And it was just playing our fundamentals, you know, it was getting the right calls, making sure everyone's lined up and executing the fundamentals and the basics and understanding how important that was. And I think the D line and the linebackers, even the safeties that were rotating down, coming down, making tackles at the corner spot and at the safety spot really took that to heart. And I think that that showed, especially at the end of the game. Outside pressure became more and more of a factor, it seemed, as the game went along. Can you kind of take us through that from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, and that, that's the situations you want to be able to get to as a defense. You know, you want to be able to stuff the run enough to the point where they have to get the third down, they have to get the second and longs, where they have to throw the ball, drop back pass, and then, you know, we sick our pass rushers at them. And, you know, they've been hungry for a long time. You know, we've been in a lot of close games to where teams are able to run the ball, you know, and, and kind of stay in their own stuff, not really getting the two-minute. But, um, you know, today we got into that opportunity and we were able to let them loose. And so, obviously, as you said, we saw we saw the effect of the outside pass rush. And I'm just glad that my guys finally got an opportunity and cashed in on it. That's Curtis Robinson. And outside pressure certainly played more and more of a factor as the game went. And props to Stephen Heron, uh, who really asserted himself a bit. Uh, pressured the quarterback on a couple of occasions. Didn't get home. Didn't get sacks. But... It's part of the reason why I think sacks might be one of the more overrated statistics in football because you can still do your job. If you're still hitting the quarterback or at the very least pressuring the quarterback, forcing him to do things that, that the quarterback doesn't necessarily want to do, you can still be effective without getting sacks. Hey, sacks are great, right? You'll still take them whenever you can get them, but you can still be pretty effective just by merely applying pressure on the quarterback. Stephen Heron, I thought, did a fantastic job as the game went and did a better job as the game went of doing just that. And props to Don J. Logan, too. I was surprised to see him out there. And I looked up and he made a tackle. I was like, wait, what? Logan's out there? But Don J. Logan played most of the game at corner opposite Caillou Blue Kelly. Zaron Manley started. Of course, Salim Turner Muhammad not able to go. Manley started and returned later, but but Logan played most of that game at corner. Four total tackles, all solo. Not bad overall. David Shaw was impressed. I mean, Don J. Logan um, is a is a very mature, tough kid that we, we recruited out of Arizona. High character individual is one of those guys when you talk to him, you don't feel like you're talking to a teenager. Um, this was during, during the recruiting process. And 
Um, you know, uh, other guys had passed him, and but he kept studying. He kept being ready. And his number got called today, and he played well. He played really smart. Played really aggressive. Was good. Made some good tackles. Um, and that's who makes up our football team. You know, guys that are ready when the number's called. As David Shaw, Logan, a junior from Mesa, Arizona, and. He's one of a lot of guys who have been getting experience in the secondary this year. Salim Turner-Muhammad, we mentioned him earlier and how impressive uh, he was becoming before injuries knocked him out of service against the Beavers this past week. Uh, Don J. Logan showing some things. Ron Manley getting experience. We've seen uh, Omari Porter, true freshman at times. And you might go back to the run-up to the season. Uh, you heard from Lance Anderson when we had him on the show, even during the summer. Uh, this uh, the Stanford defensive coordinator uh, feeling pretty good about the quantity of guys that he could turn to in the secondary quality. Eh, well, that's being developed. It seems as of right now, but he certainly felt good about the quantity of guys that uh, he had, he had a chance to turn to in the secondary if needed. And we're seeing that quantity right now. And that quantity you're seeing flashes by and large of those guys potentially becoming quality. It's going to be a big, a big subplot, especially for Stanford going forward. And, and the more experience that those guys can get going forward, obviously the better. So Stanford did enough things right defensively. Was it perfect? No. No, it wasn't. But they did enough things right defensively to win that game. They also got a little bit of help, I think, from the officials. This might be an unpopular opinion on this podcast in particular, but I think the Stanford defense got a little help. Specifically on one sequence midway through the first quarter when Nolan on third down threw over the middle uh, to his uh, wide receiver and uh, Harrison made the catch. The line to gain was about the 24. Harrison made the catch, got to the 25, was pushed back from there. And the officials spotted Harrison down at the 23-yard line. And I was like, wait, what? What? They spotted him down at the 23. That made it fourth and one. And Oregon State had to punt. And I'm sitting there in live time, in, in real time, going, wait a minute, is my mind playing tricks on me? I, I thought that I thought that Oregon that should be a first down for Oregon State. And I went during the next commercial break, I rewound it, looked at the tape, and what I saw the first time around was confirmed by, by what I thought actually happened. Oregon State should have been spotted the first down. He was, you know, someone came at me on Twitter and said, or I shouldn't say came at me, but he was like, you know, I, I thought that he backtracked. Well, he went backwards, but he went backwards because DeMooney hit him. If you backtrack on your own accord and get dropped behind the line to gain, then yes, sure, certainly, that would have been the correct spot in that instance. But he got hit by DeMooney and a bunch of other Stanford defenders. That should have been a first down for Oregon State. By the way, this happens to ORSU in every game. It's happened to them in every single game this year. I'm amazed no one challenged it from Corvallis. But terrible spots going against the Beavers have been an Oregon State football trademark this fall. But since this is a podcast, I will point out that it's not a complaint. It's just an observation. Just an observation. Let's take it over to the other side of the ball and uh, go into the offense 
And that flea flicker, the 47-yarder to Semi Fajoko to begin the second half, that was initially called a touchdown, but uh, Fajoko was ruled to have been down at the one-yard line. Mills stuck it over after that to give Stanford his first lead of the game. But that flea flicker turned things around, helped Stanford take its first lead of the day early in the second half. Isn't it wonderful when you defer the opening coin toss, take the second half kick, and score? Maybe that could be a whole new way of life for Stanford football going forward. And the biggest thing to watch, I thought, offensively coming into this game without Mike Wilson, without Connor Weddington, would be to see how the young wide receivers step up and what they did against the Beavers. Guys like Elijah Higgins, guys like Bryson Tremaine, and guys like John Humphreys, who made the catch of the year. 3.45 to go, tie game. Mills throws a deep shot down the far sideline towards John Humphreys, who tips it, goes falling to his back, and makes the catch on his back. 30-yard gain to the Beaver 25 with 3.45 to go. Tremendous grab. After the game, I asked Coach Shaw what he made of that catch. Honestly, I didn't know it was a catch until somebody told me it was. Um, I saw the bounce ball bounce up in the air. And I looked at the scoreboard, tried to calculate the time. We're going to have to punt, et cetera. And, and they said he caught it. I said, you've got to be kidding me. So I just called the next play, and then I looked up and I saw the replay, um, which I think a lot of us will see that replay many times over the next couple of days uh, on SportsCenter, et cetera. Um, but once again, uh, John Humphreys is one of those guys that um, we, we think he's a star in the making. He's, he's finding his way as a freshman, still learning a lot. Um, putting a lot on him right now, learning multiple positions with all the injuries that we've had. Um, but we think this guy's going to be a superstar in college football, and, and uh, it's good to continue to get him some reps. That was big. That was big. And, look, not a perfect night for Humphreys. Uh, he stopped short on a route, almost caused Mills to throw an interception. And there are times out there throughout the season where he's looked a little tentative, a little tentative. But hopefully that catch uh, sets him completely on an entirely new course for the remainder of the year. So that was nice to see from uh, John Humphreys uh, able to come down with the catch of the night. Part of a interesting and intriguing evening for Stanford quarterback Davis Mills. We gave you his numbers earlier. We gave you some of his athletic feats, his feats of athletic strength. It is Festivus, right? We're coming up on it here pretty quickly. But uh, we gave you some of his some of his uh, numbers and, and athletic feats earlier in the show. Let's give you some more of Davis Mills' post-game thoughts. Starting with Mills on the flea flicker that, in a lot of ways, helped jumpstart the Stanford offense. Got up to the line. Uh, wanted to be decisive. Didn't have a ton of time on the play clock, but wanted to get us in the correct play. And, I mean, uh, we wanted to get out of it if they were playing a deep safety, but... I mean, the where where he was at when I made my decision, I believe that Semi was going to get behind him, and he did. I mean, we protected great, and then I had a chance to go get the ball downfield, and Semi went up and made a play. Uh, I was talking a little bit of trash, hoping he would get in the end zone, end zone on that one. I'm sure he wanted to, too, but, I mean, it was a big play by him. Some moments without Wilson and Weddington for the younger wide receivers to shine. Uh, as, as you can g- give me your initial thoughts on the days for for Humphreys, for Elijah Higgins, uh, for Bryson Tremaine, how do you think those guys were able to step into the four and help uh, the offense out there tonight? Uh, I think they all did a great job. Um, I mean, unfortunately, we lost Mike and Connor last week, but 
I really feel that we didn't really skip a beat at all throwing those other guys in there. I'm fully confident in the abilities they have. Um, all of them made plays tonight. Uh, Bryce and a couple big time catches, big time uh, first down or third down conversions to get us uh, moving the chains. Um, John Humphreys, I counted on him late in the game. I saw a one-on-one -on -one matchup and he was able to bring down that uh, the fade ball I threw into the boundary uh, for another big play to start off that two minute drive. Um, and, and then Elijah, I mean, I think he's really developed. Um, he's one of our bigger receivers, so we're gonna use him in the run game. Um, he had a really good block on that touchdown to, or the two point conversion to Houston. Um, I mean, using his body to get in there, but also he's gonna go make plays on the edge. Um, he's going to win his routes, had that huge conversion on that third down. Uh, I mean, I'm just really confident, and I believe in our guys. How would you sum up where the guys are psychologically right now? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I can kind of hear a little celebration in the locker room throughout the, uh, throughout the press. You hear, how are guys feeling right now and about, about what's ahead? Uh, we're excited. I mean, obviously, a win's a win. We're going to celebrate, uh, have a good time. Um, headed down to SoCal for next week. Um, another challenge in front of us, obviously. I mean, we just got to put our head down and get to work. But obviously, one tonight, and we're going to enjoy it. Yeah, and Davis maybe kind of spilled the beans a little bit on, on what's next for Stanford because when we were having that conversation, we did not know exactly. We didn't even know where Stanford was headed. But Mills saying that, hey, we we're heading to SoCal next. And it was like, wait, what? Huh? Oh, okay. And we, I'd seen speculation uh, earlier in the day that Stanford would be playing at UCLA uh, in this mystery week. So I'd seen that speculation before, but, you know, it could be, hey, you know, they're just heading down to L.A. just because they can't come back here to Santa Clara County because then they'd have to quarantine. They need some place to go. Might as well be Southern California. And as it turned out, that earlier speculation was indeed true. Announced on Sunday morning, Stanford at UCLA, a 5 p.m. kickoff from the Rose Bowl to round out the season for the Stanford Cardinal. That should be intriguing. We'll talk a lot more about UCLA as we go because I, I definitely I definitely have thoughts on the Bruins, but uh, we'll get to those on uh, Thursday's episode of the TreeCast. But, but there you have it, Stanford, UCLA, 5 p.m. on Saturday. So that's the, the what now. But when it comes to this season, Shaw admitted that he has another question when it comes to the 2020 campaign. It's a waste of breath, but I'm still going to say it. I mean, this is the ultimate what-if season, right, for us. It's the ultimate what-if season. Um, you know, I would love to see this football team uh, with Walker Little. I'd love to see this football team um, with Paulson Adebo. I'd love to see this football team play 12 games uh, healthy. Um, with all the guys that could play, that would just be, that would be so exciting. Yeah, all of that's true, but really those might not be the biggest what ifs because based on how things have gone throughout the season, based on what's happened to Washington, who will face USC in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday, scheduled to anyway, Washington with COVID issues. So that's not really a guarantee. And Oregon uh, slated to fill in for Washington as a stand-in, as a Pac-12 North champs, should the Huskies not be able to complete their duties. But given how things went this season, the biggest what-if of all might be for Stanford, what if Davis Mills' COVID test hadn't been wonky up in Eugene? Fortunately, David Shaw was asked that question later on. If Mills didn't have that phony positive test, I mean, at the beginning of the year, uh... It would have been very, very interesting. 
It would have been very interesting. Um, I mean, that Oregon game, the only incompletions we had really were, were deep balls where guys hadn't really worked as well together um, and a couple of drops and a deflected pass. So um, that, that would have been interesting, but we can't live in the world of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, we're gonna live in the world of being on a three game win streak um, and, and being over 500 and hopefully build some momentum for next week. Yeah, and I'm sure that uh, Coach Shaw will have plenty of time to really go over that what if in particular. But right now, I'm pretty sure he's he's trying to figure out how to turn a three-game win streak into a four-game win streak and to ideally start a new win streak against the UCLA Bruins, who ended a long, long run of Cardinal success against UCLA in, in that bizarre game that Thursday night affair last year at Stanford Stadium that just it was just w really weird from from start to finish. But Stanford gets a chance at some sort of revenge this upcoming Saturday against the Bruins. One final bit of business, it's stock up, stock down. Stock up our unofficial game ball and our stock down maybe something that we're a bit concerned about. Let's go stock up. And we're going to go with uh, Tucker Fisk, Stanford tight end. Made just one catch, but he made it count. A 12-yard uh, touchdown grab on a screen. Why is it that Stanford is, is, is better at running screens to tight ends than they are to running backs and wide receivers? Have you noticed that too? Is it just me? Is, is, am, I, am I the crazy one here? Don't answer that. But Tucker Fisk with a 12-yard touchdown grab. Stock up for him because I kind of hold my breath when Fisk has the ball, he hasn't been the most secure ball handler, but he held on, took some defenders with him into the end zone, and got a touchdown in the first half. David Shaw on what Tucker Fisk has brought. Tucker Fisk is by no means a, a, a out-wide, split-him-out receiving tight end. He's not Kobe Fleener, Zach Ertz, etc. But what he is is 270 pounds and does not like to get tackled. We saw that on his high school film. I mean, every ball that he caught, it took four and five guys to bring him down. Um, and, and Tucker and I had a conversation in the offseason, and he wants to play in the NFL. And I said, well, here's the deal. you got to be able to work the middle of the field. You don't have to run a 4-4. got to be able to run basic crosses and find the ball in the middle of shallow crosses. got to be able to block, and I think he's one of the best blocking tight ends in America. Um, but at the same time, because we use so much so much run game and protection for him, he gets lost. So we're, we'll have those, those tight end screens in the form. I think this is the third, maybe the third or fourth one that he's caught this year. Um, and he's always ready for those. So I was so excited for him because he does so much dirty work and you got to take care of the guys that do the dirty work. Um, so I was excited for him to get that touchdown. Hey, you do the dirty work, you get rewarded, right? Houston Haimuli, big time lead blocks. We shouted him out last week uh, against the Washington Huskies. He's done a lot of dirty work. Uh, maybe not as clean a game for Haimuli this time around against the Beavers, but still he's done his share of, of little things to help the Cardinal offense go. And he got rewarded with making the catch on a two-point conversion in the second half for the Cardinal. But but stock up right now as a pass catcher, we're going to go with Tucker Fisk. What goes up? Sometimes must come down. Let's go sat down. And I really would like to see more from Caillou Blue Kelly. I, I, I really would. Look, it's a bit different with Paulson Adebo out there. He opted out before the season began. And that made Caillou Blue Kelly CB1. In, in a sense. And, and Caillou showed some things last year. He was, he had moments last year and he's, he's shown some good things. I think, especially from a tackling standpoint uh, at, at critical points this year, coverage. Uh, 
I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more. Granted, he did give up a touchdown in the third quarter when Oregon State took a 21-16 lead in which Chance Nolan just dropped it perfectly into his receiver's arms for a 30-yard touchdown. I mean, it was over at Kelly. I mean, you tip your cap to Chance Nolan on that one a bit, but but still overall, you know, would, would like to see a bit more coverage-wise from Caillou Blue Kelly. No rule quarrels tackle-wise. Coverage-wise, I, I think things could, could be improved there a little bit. Kind of a stretch for stock down, maybe in some respects, but I, I think that's a fair way to go. What do you think? As always, I enjoy your thoughts, your feedback on Stanford football and on the show. Hashtag TreeCast, that's the way to go. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go there. Don't forget to subscribe to the program and more importantly, rate it and review it. I certainly appreciate those of you uh, who have done just that. Rate and review the show. Uh, if, if you like the TreeCast, if you listen to the TreeCast, you love the TreeCast. Of course, that's what I can, I can glean from the reviews. And I certainly thank all of you uh, for uh, sharing your thoughts on the show and uh, for telling other people about it. I always appreciate that. As uh, we'll see you on Thursday. That will be the next time that we will chat with you. The mystery week, as mentioned, is set. <laughs> the week in which we had no idea what it was going to look like. And in some respects, we still don't. But... Stanford versus UCLA on Saturday, 5 p.m. in Pasadena. Love it when the Cardinal go down to the Rose Bowl. Wish I could be there for it. But we will break down Stanford versus UCLA, and we will come your way next time on Thursday right here on the Believe Podcast Network. You heard from Cardinal head coach David Shaw, quarterback Davis Mills, and inside linebacker Curtis Robinson. Biggest thanks, of course, as always, goes out to you for joining us and for being a part of the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Every bit as stupid as the person who does not wear a mask now and still doesn't wear a mask. Wear a mask, folks. It's all you need to do to do your part to make sure that we don't have to go through anything like this ever again. Wear a mask. That's it. And treat people with kindness out there, too, will you? Especially folks who don't look like you. We'll talk to you on Thursday. It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. <laughs>